Hi ninjas and ninjets and welcome to another episode of the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. I'm Tim Cameron Kitchen, Head Ninja at Exposure Ninja and best-selling digital marketing author. In this episode, I'm joined by Jason Hartman. Now, you might not know Jason if you're in the UK, but Jason has built his name over in the States, mostly in real estate, both through his own real estate portfolio and his training company. And he's also a prolific podcaster. And when I say prolific, I mean his company publishes literally dozens of podcasts and his main one has over 800 episodes, which is pretty freaking serious. I can't imagine getting to 800 episodes. Anyway, the reason I was so keen to get Jason on the show is to talk about how he's built his empire around his personal brand. One thing you'll notice if you visit Jason's sites is that he is all over them. And there's clearly something about his personal brand which really resonates with his target audience. So I wanted to find out how he came up with a personal branding message which resonated so well with his audience and also ask him about the marketing toolkit that he's used to work in so many areas throughout his career. I also really wanted to find out what his approach was behind building the podcast empire and uh, what the reasoning was because basically what he's done here is he's created a whole bunch of media properties in different verticals and this is exactly the same approach that you can take whether it's on social media or on youtube or through blogging so there's a lot of really uh, close parallels here so really interesting to see what he's done with his media properties anyway absolutely fascinating guy and i really hope you enjoy the show Welcome to the show, Jason. It's great to have you on. Thanks. It's good to be here. So your empire, I'm going to call it, is it spans many different kind of verticals and, and formats. So perhaps for those who aren't so familiar with you, could you give us an overview of exactly what your businesses are all about and how you're positioned? Sure. Well, I have a group of companies and my main background is really centered around real estate. You know, when I first got into the real estate business, I was in the investment side of the business. Then I got into the traditional side. I bought and turned around a company. I had a big sale in 2005 to Coldwell Banker. And then I got back in the investment only side of the real estate business. But what's interesting to note about that is that, you know, when when you talk to someone at a cocktail party or just kind of answer that question, you might say, well, you know, what do you do? I'm in real estate, right? But I've never really felt that I'm in real estate directly. I've always felt that I was in the marketing business and real estate just happened to be the product, whether it be traditional real estate, meaning people that want to buy and own and live in their own homes or sell their homes or investment real estate where people want to invest in properties. So it's really centered around that. I have a real estate investment company, and then I have a podcasting company, and I I use the podcasting business to drive business to the real estate company. And then I have lots of different investments and so forth. And I even have a a startup I'm working on called Free Court, which you can find at freecourt.com. That has a podcast, even though the minimum viable product has not not yet launched. And that is an online dispute resolution platform. And uh, so that's kind of an interesting thing. And I I guess I suffer from the same kind of entrepreneurial ADD that many entrepreneurs suffer from. (laughs) So that's kind of an overview. Love it. Love it. So primarily starting in real estate, and I know you started as a a broker age 19. Um, Mm -hmm. What was your situation back then? Did you come from a wealthy background? Were you like, what what was a typical day like? Not at all. I only wish, right? (laughs) Not at all. Uh, No, I I grew up uh, relatively poor. I grew up in uh, Los Angeles, California. And 
you know, went to integrated schools that were really bad on one side of it, uh, really good on the other side. And in terms of the the school population, I guess I should say, in other words, there was a wide variety of kids, uh, rich kids and poor kids, very poor and very rich. And and it was all all around the spectrum. Yeah, I, I didn't have any start. I got into real estate in Orange County, California. I didn't know anybody, not one person that uh, lived in Orange County other than my mother. And so I, I completely started myself, launched my career from nothing, from no connections. Um, and uh, I was 19 years old, so I didn't really have much credibility in terms of age or experience. But I I was good at marketing and getting my name and my my brand out there. And this was long before anybody even used the term personal branding or, or knew what it was. I just kind of intuitively did that stuff. And... One of the things I've noticed about how you've branded yourself and and how you've used your own personal brand is you'll stand for very clear things. So, for example, with the investment side of things, you're you're quite public in in rallying against Wall Street and the impact that, for example, governments have on a market. How important do you think it is when you're designing a personal brand to have a a very clear position on on something like this? And how important has that been on, on kind of getting your message out to people? No, that, that's a great question. It's one that few people really ask. And I, I think it's critically important. You know, there's an old saying that if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. I think people, you know, people want someone with conviction. They want to be led. They want to follow someone who believes in something. So you need to have some conviction. You need to get over the idea of uh, being fearful of polarizing the audience. You will have haters. And that's a good thing. It shows that something is working, something is happening, that people are paying attention, that they're digging in. If you look at the the one-on-one sales process, uh, most sales trainers will tell you that the worst prospect, the one that you're probably never going to close the deal with, is the person who's indifferent, the person who doesn't ask questions or doesn't raise objection. That is the person who just doesn't care. The person who is giving you a lot of objections, that person is at least engaged. The same thing applies to an audience, a large audience size, is you've got to get people's dander up, as the old saying goes, right? <laughs> you know, you yeah, don't don't be afraid to take a stand, you know, and 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 don't just make it a fake stand. It's got to be real. It's got to be something you actually believe in. And hopefully you're not just believing in it recklessly. Hopefully you've thought it out. You know, it, it it's real to you. I mean, your, your audience will sense if it's not. I, I guess what you're saying is the enemy is not haters the enemy is kind of apathy and and being ignored really absolutely absolutely very good point how your your position for example against wall street take us through the process that that you used when like how did you decide that or how did you identify that that was something that really appealed to people and that you should kind of play up on when i was selling my traditional real estate company to coldwell banker uh which is a, a large you know real estate firm, I looked around and I was deciding what I want to do with the rest of my life. You know, should I just retire or, you know, temporarily or permanently? I don't know, you know, and I I always loved real estate investing. When I looked around the landscape and I thought, first of all, where am I going to invest my own money from the sale of the company? And then I, uh, you know, really wanted to provide, I, I saw this need in the market where there, there was no financial services firm for real estate investors. 
And I tried to be a nationwide investor, invest in several different markets around the U.S., and it was just very difficult to do by myself. So I basically got into this business to become my own first customer. And what I realized is that the lion's share of the investment dollars of planet Earth, I, I didn't need to worry about my competitors, what most people thought of is is who would be my competitors, other real estate companies, because they weren't even serving this market in any real way, okay? They were out there doing all these fragmented, random things, hodgepodge of services in the traditional real estate world. They weren't financial services firm for real estate investors. They, they didn't have that niche in the market. And that's the niche I wanted to create. So I looked around and I thought, well, where does the bulk of the investment money go? It goes to Wall Street. Wall Street is the co competitor. Wall Street is the competition. And Wall Street is a scam. I mean, it is an epic scam. You know, the only people who really make money over time on Wall Street are the insiders. It is a rigged game. You know, look, I live in Las Vegas, Nevada. Okay, just moved here about six months ago from uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, and before that, Southern California. And I don't gamble, thankfully, <laughs> because, you know, gambling is a scam, okay? If you walk into any casino, you know, and the house knows that they will win. The house will always win. And that's the same thing on Wall Street. The house, the insiders, the investment firms, the investment banks, they will always win the game. You will not win as the investor. I mean, you might win for a while. Same is true in a casino. But over time, you usually will not win, okay? And uh, there are so many scandals on Wall Street, it was so easy to pick on them. It was so easy to make Wall Street a target. And so I, I call Wall Street the modern version of organized crime. And, you know, it, I, I interview lots of Wall Street people on my podcast, and, you know, I, you would think they would be offended by that. They're really not, um, <laughs> oddly. Uh, I, I say that to them, and, you know, they agree. They're just part of it. You know, they've got to earn a living and, and do their thing. Uh, they're just, they're just part of the big machine, but it really is a rigged game. Michael Lewis, the famous author, you know, who, who's behind the big short, right? The movie and the book, very famous book was on 60 minutes. And he said the whole same thing. He said, wall street's a scam. By doing that, you've kind of identified and it's, it's kind of similar to what, what I think Tony Robbins is taking a stand with his financial advice piece that he's gone into now which is you know head funds are a, are a rigged game and, and you can't win there so and and by doing that you've kind of identified a, a competitor something that people already don't like or they already treat with suspicion right and it's a little bit like warren buffett's thing you've you found a parade to to stand with and, and to stand in front of and have you kind of used that to i guess build rapport with people who already have a mistrust of this thing yeah, I think so, because most people already agree with that. It's not something you really need to convince them of. And 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 just remember that you, you know, if you if you look at the classic book, The Art of War, right? The the classic philosophy there um in the art of war, one of the first lessons is know your enemy. Know your enemy. So you've got to first identify the proper competitor. Uh, a lot of people look around and they think that you know, co that little competitor down the street from you is your competition, but it may not be. Look more broadly, look at other industries. Uh, it might surprise you who your competitor is. Yeah, that's really interesting. I want to um, change tack slightly and, and ask you about the, the podcasting 
huge <laughs> a mammoth kind of effort that, that you've got how many podcasts are you are you running at the moment well that depends how you look at it <laughs> <laughs> because we we you know we have some podcasts that we turn into video uh podcasts as well and some that we don't and uh and so it kind of depends how you look at it maybe 21 podcast shows okay and we don't publish and update all of them anymore. We used to for quite a while, for many years. But podcasting, my main podcast is called The Creating Wealth Show. That's my most popular show. We just published episode number 819. And that show has a huge audience. You know, I have many other shows with uh, big audiences too. But that one is where we really address why income property is the most historically proven asset class in the world, uh, why Wall Street is the modern version of organized crime, why central banks and governments around the world are just ripping people off, and how we can, as investors, align our interest with these most powerful entities the human race has ever known. Never has the human race ever known entities more powerful than governments and central banks. And many people like the gold bugs and, uh, you know, many investors, they complain about them all day. They, they, you know, think they're going to beat them. They're crazy. You're not going to beat these entities. They're just way too powerful. They have standing armies. They have aircraft carriers, nuclear missiles. Okay. You're not going to win. <laughs> so, <laughs> so figure out how to align your interests with theirs as an investor. They will always be oppressive forces. So we just need to align our interests with theirs and then we'll do okay. Know your enemy, huh? I'm guessing, or you said earlier that the reason for these these podcasts is that that's how you kind of generate leads for, for, for the business, right? That's kind of the purpose. So it's really interesting to me how you've built the media. You own the media company and you're doing this, it's like creating a magazine, right? So you've got these different podcasts targeting different topics and different audiences. And you, because you own the media, you get the promotion piece, just like a magazine. So you own the media, you own the ads. Was this a conscious decision? Did you just, you ran a podcast and it started driving leads and you thought oh, I can do this again. And then you kept going and kept going and kept going until you have what you did now. Or, like what was the process that you took for that? Cause I think it's fascinating. Yeah, really. Um, that's an interesting question. So what really happened is um, I, when I was in the traditional real estate business, I was always very into the personal branding angle. I was a very good marketer in that business. And I was into the relationship angle because that's really what a personal brand is. It's just a relationship. And I liked that long form relationship rather than being a slick, fast talking salesperson with, you know, who always says the right things. I went deep. You know, I always went deep in, in the traditional real estate business. I was into what's called farming. And I don't know if listeners around the world know what that is, or even if listeners around the U.S. know what that is anymore. It may have gone out of style. I'm not sure. But basically, that concept is where you pick a couple of neighborhoods and you you market yourself in a concentrated manner and make sure all of those homeowners know who you are. So, you know, this is your, you stake a claim to an area and you stake a claim to deep long-term relationships with the people in that area and developing deep consumer trust. And so when I got into the investment side, the investment business exclusively, 
we started advertising and we were spending about a quarter of a million dollars per year on talk radio ads at running 60 second commercials on big radio stations. And what we found is that that did make the phone ring. It did create leads. But those people that called had no idea who we were. They didn't know us. They didn't trust us. They didn't believe in us. They, um, you know, didn't understand our philosophy, which is pretty unique. Uh, and that's another big part of personal branding is you've got to have a unique philosophy and you've got to try and create your own vocabulary to some extent. Okay. If we have time, we can talk about that a little bit, but so the commercials didn't really work that well. And then I had a radio program that was just once a week for a half hour. And, you know, that was okay. It didn't work that great, but it was all right. And so I could explain things in longer form. And then I discovered podcasting and I could really go deep. I could have that same audience subscribing to the RSS feed, listening to me over and over. And so for my, my most popular show, The Creating Wealth Show, we publish that three times a week, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And I'd say the average episode link is maybe 40, or length is maybe 45 minutes. So we go deep. And when people discover the show, they constantly tell me, you know, I, I discovered it. And I took the next few months to go back and listen to every episode. Wow. Uh, they said, I I'm driving my spouse crazy, you know, <laughs> listening to you all the time. And, uh, and, and, you know, you know, you've got something when, when people are that motivated to spend, you know, literally what, 700 hours consuming your content. That's a pretty big testimonial. That's huge. And the influence that you have over someone once they've consumed that amount of content is just, that's incredible. So you touched on there about having a, a unique message. I'm just interested to ask how you, what's your process for kind of developing your manifesto, if you like? Yeah, manifesto is a great word, by the way. I love that word, although I never use it or really thought of it that way, but I you know, seeing <laughs> books with that title and, and so forth. And I, I think that's a pretty, that's a pretty good way to think of it as a, and a manifesto, right? So first of all, you know, figure out who your competitor is, really figure it out. The typical person in my business would have said, well, it's that other real estate company, right? But I didn't do that. I said, my competitor is Wall Street. That's my competitor. Okay. And so I understood the enemy I understood what they do, what a scam they're running, and how they're basically screwing people, okay? And then I demonized them, right? So that's part of it. And I identified some things, and you know, I, I don't know that I can really tell you exactly how to do this. I had a long, long history in real estate. So I, I have like deep understanding of the subject matter, and I love it. It's very fascinating to me. You got to make sure you like it and you're fascinated by whatever your thing is, right? You you just look for unique concepts within it and maybe different ways to explain and express things. I'm, I'm not sure I can really teach that, but if you dive in deep, if you take a deep dive into your subject matter and expertise, you'll figure it out. It'll just come to you, uh, I, I think, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it, it it did for me. And I mean, there are still things I haven't figured out and discovered, uh, but, and, you know, I, I will along the way, but one way, you know, they, they say there, this, this is one bit of advice. That's, that's a good one. That's definitely tangible. They say the best way to learn something is to teach it. And I agree with that. And so I've done a lot of public speaking in my life 
And when you do that, especially when you're in front of an audience, the podcasting isn't bad, but speaking in front of an audience is even more powerful and more educational because the audience will ask you questions and challenge your beliefs and they will challenge you. And, you know, sometimes someone will ask a question and, or heckle you and really put you on the spot. And your job is to take that. And instead of, you know, getting mad about it or being, you know, upset about it or depressed is to go back and learn something and think, well, now, why was that person asking that question? Why didn't they understand this? What can I do to explain that better? Uh, you know, what can I do to maybe use a unique way to explain and address that, you know, to, to make that person understand? And, and so being in front of an audience is, is pretty good training. So I guess when you're when you've been creating your manifesto over the years, you've really you've been field testing that, haven't you, in, in these public speaking situations and putting something out there seeing what response you get and it's a quite a fast feedback loop which has allowed you to create something which is compelling enough for people that they will spend 700 hours consuming it almost non-stop is that a is that a kind of fair assessment yeah i guess so you know it's got to be compelling it's got to be it's got to have conviction and if you have conviction in one thing that automatically means that you do not believe in another thing. Look, if you believe in God, you don't believe in being an atheist, okay? It's one or the other. You can't have it both ways, right? And uh, and so you, you got to take a stand, as we, we talked about that earlier. Are you afraid of, of rubbing people up the wrong way, of annoying people when you're taking a stand against something? Sure. I mean, you know, no, no one really necessarily wants to create enemies, but, but you're just naturally going to do that as you kind of make dust in the world. And, um, and there are people that won't buy into your ideology and people who will. It's just the, the way the world works. It's the way of the world. Got to break some eggs to make an omelet, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's a great way to put it. Awesome. Um, before we wrap up, Jason, I just wanted to ask you because obviously you, you've done you've done so much marketing. It's it's quite incredible. What's the most effective thing that you've ever done to generate customers? Oh, you know, I really think it's everything we've talked about already. I I can't say there's any one thing, but regardless of the medium, I think the the key to it is you must develop deep long-term consumer trust with an audience. And, um, you know, the audience doesn't, here's a common misconception too. A lot of people, and you know, this is true definitely in the podcasting world or anything, think they need to have this giant audience. You do not need a giant audience. You can, I mean, depending on, you know, look at if you're selling 10 cent widgets or selling multi-million dollar properties, your audience size is going to vary, right? Based on those things. So you need a lot more, a lot larger audience for the 10 cent widget uh, than you do for the multi-million dollar properties or yachts or planes or whatever, uh, because your margin will be bigger. But the point being that you've got to have that deep long-term relationship. And uh, that can become very, very powerful because you might be selling 10 cent widgets today, but when you get involved and engaged with that audience, you might discover that that same exact audience needs a $10 widget and a $100 widget. And you can supply that once you are engaged with that audience. 
So I think that's a very important uh, thing. And, and far too many people in our culture today look at people as disposable. They, uh, you know, view things as they, they want the quick buck. They want the fast answer. You know, it's just human nature to want to take the easy, quick road. But uh, life isn't that way. And there are a lot of rewards out there that will come to you if you don't follow that philosophy. Fantastic answer. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. And as always, remember, if you'd like a completely free review of your digital marketing with a custom plan that you can follow to increase the number of leads and sales that your website generates, then head over to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review. One of our expert team will put together a 20 minute video showing you exactly what you need to do to increase the results that your website's generating for you. So that's ExposureNinja.com forward slash review. Thank you.